which again interesting because the minute she sees him she says you're not Sarge which fair enough I mean pretty obvious uh-huh. but she also says you're not Colson uh-huh how the hell did she know welcome to the Marvelous Madams podcast we're your hosts Madam Chris and Madam Amy we are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel Madams assemble Okay, episode two. Yeah, has your head exploded yet? I think it's going to explode pretty soon. There are too many questions. I can't. I just can't. Every episode is... It's, and I will say this right off the bat. I like the premiere better than I like this episode. Although th- this was fine. Don't get me wrong. It's just, again, more questions than answers. Yeah. Yeah. We need answers now. And, you know... I have to say, too, it was kind of like a, an old-timey family guy bit. Like, the, the episode is called Know Your Onions. And they were, it was like, how many times can we say Know Your Onions in the episode? <laughs> yeah. I believe it's three. I counted two. I, I believe it was three. And that's possibly three too many. Well, I do like it if they do address it at least once. It's kind of cheeky. Once is okay. Once is okay. But stop winking at the camera after that. So before we get into this episode, we do feel it's important that we take just a minute here to address everything that's been going on in the U.S. regarding the George Floyd protests and reactions, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So 10 years ago, when I met my husband, I was terrified about bringing him home and having him meet my father. Uh, I knew eventually my father would either ask his full name or ask him about his ethnic background. So um, my husband is Hispanic but does not look it. Uh, He's very light-skinned and no one ever uh, thinks he's Hispanic or his sister uh, for that matter. So I was afraid my father would make a scene or do something else to embarrass me when he met him for the first time. So I told him beforehand, sweating the whole time, what his name was and that that he was Hispanic. And a better person would have asked me, especially considering I had just come out of a long-term abusive relationship. A better person would have asked me, is he a good guy? Is he respectful? Does he treat you well? But no, that's not what my father asked me. Instead, he asked me, was he born here? And I said, yes. And he said, not and said, well, all right then, that's all that matters. Oh, Lord. So what I want to say right now is that no, that doesn't fucking matter it doesn't matter to me does it matter to you amy no it does not it doesn't matter to me that we are halfway across the world different ethnicities different backgrounds different sexual orientations none of that matters you're damn right it doesn't uh so that was that was 10 years ago when i was still young enough to give a flying shit about uh my father's opinions towards anything i share that story for a reason and that's because as a white woman I do not know and do not pretend to know what it feels like, how awful it is to be discriminated against simply because of the color of my skin. But I am very familiar with the toxicity that hate and bigotry create. And uh, there is no room in my life for it. And you can bet I've made that very clear with my father in the years since. So that is exactly what we want to make clear here today. We don't stand for anything that is hateful, that is racist, homophobic, or anything in between. We are a place of love and community. It's one thing to make fun of fictional characters and you know, hate on them a little bit because they're doing something stupid or ridiculous. You're just being annoying. But the real world is different. Yeah. So everybody listening, here's what matters to us. You're a Marvel fan. We're Marvel fans. That's it. That's all we yeah, need. That's all. It's what brings us together. And it's what brought us together. That's and right. That's all that matters. 
That's right. This podcast started because Amy and I met on Reddit and thought about doing a Marvel rewatch together. And that is how the Marvel's, Marvel's Madams were born. <laughs> All right. So that's that. Shall we get into episode two, partner? Yes. Let's see if we know more onions. Okay. So episode two picks up exactly where the premiere left off. So that's helpful. Yeah. And we are right back into the action. And I, I got to say this right off the bat, because that this is how the show starts. We're thrown right into uh, the thick of things with Mac and Deke and Freddie. Anyone else out there, let me know on Twitter, email us, whatever you want to do. Tell me, is Freddie's accent also driving you up a wall? Because it's making my ears bleed. Yeah, I think that was the worst part of the episode. Yeah. Overall, I wasn't really a fan of his acting this episode. Yeah, I feel like he should be flipping a nickel outside of an orphanage. <laughs> you know, it just um, made me extra annoyed because I loved it then when Deke mocks his accent. And I'm like, God damn it, Freddie, you made me enjoy something Deke did. You're going to fry for that. <laughs> Overall, I would say that Deke is not getting quite on my nose this season so far as he did in the previous seasons. Yeah, he has grown up. I'll give him that. I'll give him that credit. Hallelujah. Oh, shush. <laughs> you can't deny he was a pain in the ass. Oh, I don't deny that. So here's my question, starting out. Freddie has the serum and he says, the future is going to be mine. I'm wondering, does he actually know what he's getting into with Hydra? Is he saying this because he thinks he's going to have power someday or because of the money they're paying him for this delivery. It's really hard to tell. They, they're very ambiguous about that. And I think that's a good job on the part of the writers. Yeah, I think so too. From what we saw throughout the episode and the way Freddie talks about his family and the history and all of that, it does seem like he is a bit power hungry. And of course, he wants money. Yeah, but you know what? That's normal for that time period. So many people are going through the roughest times of their lives. It's the depression. Sure. You know, it's understandable. And two, that's also back then, more so, even stronger than it is now, it's the American way, the American dream, you know? Right. So I don't think that plays too much into it. And we're going we're gonna to get into that a little more later on, too. Yeah, but if you're desperate enough, you're willing to do whatever it takes to get that power and money like for someone who's grown up poor will do anything and everything to save a penny right sure but what i'm thinking is what does hydra want with him if it's power like he's going to be the head of hydra one day but i'm sitting here wondering how why do they care about this kid the father's dead what does this kid matter it's interesting yeah i think it's got to do with lineage because the girl in the red dress, did we find out her name? I feel like she came to nothing. Was that a literal red herring? <laughs> she did give us a little bit of something. Yeah, just the location, the location of the meat. Not that. She was a tool in terms of making the team realize what was the delivery, what was the package. So I also just want to clarify, she was not Raina's mom, as Amy so strongly suspected she was going to be. Hey, the season's still young. <laughs> she is not Raina's mom. Get off it. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying she is. It was just one of the theories that popped into my head. Uh -huh. She did give me those vibes. Yeah, because she's the crazy Nazi. Okay, maybe. Speaking <laughs> of, she did have that really soft-spoken kind of Raina way of talking. Yes, that that breathy voice. I hate it. I know. And Raina used to speak in a similar way. Yes. And I know this actress. I do not remember her name. I've seen her in other, in other things. She is not like that. She's not soft-spoken, breathy kind of voice. Well, you know what I think the part of it is, and this was definitely the case with Raina, whose underwear was wet every time she was thinking about the clairvoyant, <laughs> is that, oh, come to Hydra. Hydra's so sexy. Power's so sexy. I think that's uh, male writers. Maybe. You know what? I realize I'm about to um, 
taste my own foot in my mouth here with the hypocrisy of it all. <laughs> so, but I'm going to say it because it's true. The idea of, oh, evil's so sexy and I can't – my statements about Grant Ward are out there. I can't recant them now. <laughs> I think I'm going to put a quick montage clip over here. Yeah. Just to really hammer in the point. Yeah, I've essentially just made their point for them. And <laughs> yes, I am apparently uh, a piece of shit, so I'm just going to stop. Well, I won't give you too much shit because Ada, 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 Ada. That's true. That's yeah. true. Your your stand, your values went out the window on that one. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I didn't have any to begin with, really, so it was okay. But you, you, you used to sit up on a high horse. I decided to take a temporary step down. <laughs> oh, did you know? Okay. <laughs> I'll be back there. <laughs> so, uh, more on Red Dress Lady later. After this whole detour that we've taken about evil and whatnot, the reason why I brought up the lady in red, nice song, by the way. Yes, it is. Yeah. So the reason why I brought that up is because she mentions that she knew Freddy's father and she's a part of Hydra. So it's safe, relatively safe to assume that Freddy's father was in Hydra. So it comes down to probably lineage. Yeah, I mean, the Nazis were certainly big on bloodlines. So you do have a good point there. So that's probably why they wanted to bring Freddy into the fold. And another thing that Freddie keeps mentioning is that he wants to do what his father couldn't do. And we have no idea what that is. Yeah, my guess is, again, of course, it's all theories and speculation. It would probably be taking that extra step to gain that power and that stronghold. Maybe, or he could just mean it metaphorically. And it's like, my father couldn't be a real man and he took the easy way out. And now I'm going to get some money and make a name for myself and be able to support my family one day. We don't know. They're they're walking the line with it really well of like, how much does Freddie actually know about this? True. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. Do you think we'll see him again? <sighs> Man, I, I have no idea. I really don't know. Um, I kind of hope not just because if I hear that accent one more time. And, you know, I thought for me that it was because it was hitting a little too close to home and I didn't want to like hear myself back at me. But first of all, I don't say it's like once I realized I'm like, no, I'm not that bad. I don't sound yeah, that bad. Yeah, you don't sound like that. And that uh, that didn't even cross my mind. Okay. So, all right, let's move on from Freddie a little bit. Uh, mm. We'll see him plenty. We'll see him plenty in this episode. So we immediately meet Colson carrying the lady in red into the bar and the rest of the team arrives with the exception to Enoch and May, of course, which we'll get to in a bit. Yeah, Enoch's babysitting. Would babysitting be the right term or nursing? Because after all, he did do surgery on her. I'm going to say babysitting at this point because essentially his job is to make sure she doesn't kill herself or anybody else. And that's pretty much what a babysitter does. Okay. And Trust yeah, me. I don't want to say nursing because that gave me a very different visual right now. Yeah. Yeah, as someone who spent a long time in childcare, when you just do like, when, when you're dealing with a, an out of control child, that's all you can really do is just make sure they don't kill themselves or somebody else for a few hours. So yeah. Yeah. If everyone has all their limbs intact and alive and breathing, that's a good day. Pretty much. Hmm. So I love when uh, Gemma and Daisy arrive at the bar. Yeah. And Koenig is all worked up. Yes. And I have to say right now, Natalia Cordova, you are my spirit animal because <laughs> she shows up and she's like, what the fuck? We ran here in heels. And the way she says, I don't know how you people do yeah. this. Yeah. was fantastic. I'm like, absolutely. Oh, honey, I get you. I am not one of them either if i could have gone into the screen and hugged her at that moment i would have because yes i don't get it either no and for those of you i'm sure we have plenty of listeners who like to wear heels if you like them that's wonderful good for you but i have no idea why anyone would sacrifice comfort for for heels they're so painful and another thing is god 
bless you for standing straight and not falling on your face every five seconds because I can't do that. Yeah, I'd be the I'd be the baby deer. I'd be breaking an ankle. I desperately, if we can make this happen, Kevin Feige, this is another reason that we need uh, we need Yo-Yo to join the MCU in some way because I need a crossover clip of Yo-Yo meeting Pepper Potts and just rolling her eyes at those heels. <laughs> that would make my fucking day. Let's yeah. get on this. And I would love for Quake to join the Avengers. All right, let's not get into that. <laughs> when these guys show up, Koenig is completely losing his mind and he's insulting Gemma. Uh, what did he call her? A dame. A right? Dame. The first time he called her a dame. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. And she's just like, I'm not a dame. I'm a doctor. Yeah. Because, yes, this needs to be discussed. Okay. So, Yes. Gemma is a doctor. She's a biochemist. She's definitely more qualified to perform surgery than Mac, the mechanic. However, <laughs> Coulson is just throwing this woman around like a rag doll who's got a hole and a bullet in her stomach. Yeah, that's because they had to move her, right? Because the Chronicom cop showed up. But here's the thing. They're acting like this is no big deal. Okay, here's the problem with this. This is 1931 guns and bullets. She just took one to the gut. She's fucking dead. There is a pool of blood on that floor. She has bled out from her intestines. She's done. Instead, we're just like, oh, she's asleep. Let's dig out the bullet. (laughs) This woman just stays asleep on top of a bar while someone is digging around inside her for a bullet with no anesthetic. Yeah. How is she not screaming? (laughs) Yeah. Really? Come on now. (laughs) Maybe that's why she was all breathy because she was screaming. They just cut it out. That was a little much for me. I'm like, come on. I I know she's a Nazi, but she's still a human being who feels pain. Yeah, they they probably just didn't want to get that graphic about it. Go with it. It's a television show. That was was stretching it for me, man. Come on. That's stretching it more than Mac doing (laughs) surgery? Are you serious? Uh, I fully went off on Mac doing surgery. Thank you very much. (laughs) So if Mac can do surgery, Gemma can do surgery in 1930 without anesthetic. Anybody can do surgery in 1931 without anesthetic, but generally the patient is going to be screaming and required to be held down by several people. That's the problem here. Yeah, well, go with it. They didn't probably want to get too historically accurate. Yeah, and I mean, this is Disney we're talking about. Of course. So yeah, they figure out, you know, they decide, okay, you know, this woman's valuable. We need info from her. Let's get her stabilized, Uh, which Gemma does, of course, without any instruments whatsoever. Yeah, and they don't even cut her dress open. No, none of that. It's a good thing they get this woman stable because then there's a knock on the door and it's, oh, shizzle. The cops are here. The popo. The coppers. (laughs) How many times does he say coppers in this episode? I kind of love it. I just realized a new term for them. What? Chronocop. That's the first I've seen that. You might be the first. Maybe you should trademark that. Really? Sure. Let's write a script. Let's make some money. (laughs) (laughs) Chronicop starring a very, very starring an elderly Peter Weller. <laughs> I think before we even start writing a single word of the script, we'd be sued. Yeah, probably. Yeah, they'd, they'd be stupid not to. Yeah, so let's just stick it to this. Chronocops arrive. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it's like, uh oh. So Chronocops arrive, and. Somehow, magically, within within seconds, these people managed to take an injured woman and hide <laughs> her into this closety attic-y thing. What is it? It's a hide. It's it's, it's a, a hidden hideout. room. Yeah. Okay. It's a this little hideout, which is full of booze. Give me some of that. And these chronocops. Okay, the one bit where Colson's eye is the other eye. That kind of freaked me out a bit for a second. Yeah, that was meant to freak you out. Yeah, and I, I like the bit when they're looking around. Colson is making sure that he stays stable in that one place so that the eye doesn't move. Oh my God, <laughs> I didn't even realize that. That didn't even register in my mind, but you're so right. <laughs> uh, and you know what? 
I, I also have to add here, I have a feeling you felt the same way. God damn, Clark Gregg looks good in that tux. Oh, yeah, he does. He knows how to wear a tux. Yeah, and later on, when he's holding the machine gun and the fedora. Oh, I'm not ready for that yet. Oh, oh, <laughs> things to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was looking good. Oh, you know what we forgot? Oh, Jesus Christ. Did you gag a little bit as I did when Koenig drank that bullet? I was a bit squeamish, yes. Oh my God, I freaked out. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. Even if we weren't in the middle of a fucking pandemic, that was inside someone's body. I I was hoping that he would have just probably kept the bullet in his mouth and not swallowed it. But still, I mean, it was, I mean, that, that woman's blood. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what else? That's not going to be fun coming out. I'm sure not. Yeah. No. Well, it's pretty small. Shouldn't be too much of a problem. <laughs> Let's stop there, shall we? <laughs> See, don't make me think about things like this. I have to think these through logically then. <laughs> well, I guess it is about the size of a suppository if we're going to really go there. Damn it, I hate you. <laughs> you know, the suppositories are bullet shaped. That's true, yeah. They're a bit bigger, though. Not really. I mean, believe me, my mother always had a giant thing of suppositories around when I was a kid. Okay, I don't want to know about any stories from that. Neither did I. <laughs> so while the chronocops are looking around and... And Koenig is tap dancing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He could have been a dancing monkey, the way he was going <laughs> on and on... <laughs> You could see the desperation on him. It was like if they were human cops, they would have caught on really quickly that something was seriously up with him. You are absolutely right. That is one time like them being robots was a major disadvantage because they weren't properly reading those social cues. Excuse me. They are not robots. They're chronocops. <laughs> I'm sorry, Enoch. <laughs> I did that quite well. Yes, you did. <laughs> I think the, I think the reason why Enoch uh, resonates with me is because we have the same personality. Oh, stop! <laughs> that might be the case, but I really hope you never say to me, "I must go fix my face." <laughs> because if that's the case, then you're probably wearing heels too, and then I don't even know you anymore. Well, I could be fixing my face for. Because I'm wearing heels and I fell flat into a puddle. No, but fix my face is something that was a I know, common... I know, I know. Okay. Yeah, I know, I know. Stop ruining it. <laughs> Back to the chronocops again. So just when everybody thinks it's safe, we, should, we need to call a lady in the red dress. We need to call... Okay, I'm going to call her red herring. No, lady in red is so nice. Okay, fine. The lady in red. Uh, but you know what? I'm, I'm saying this for the record right now. Amy is the one who wants to call her Lady in Red. I am not the one sullying a nice song by giving the label to a woman who is a Nazi. So there. Damn you. It's a pretty dress. Lady in Red. Amy's Lady in Red, of course, <laughs> wakes up at this very inopportune moment and it causes the table to shake. And one wine bottle tips of over. Of course, just one. Yeah. Just the one. Now, here's my question. We see, obviously, in Daisy Sees 2... Yo-Yo is, I don't know if it's unable or unwilling or both to grab that wine bottle. And what I mean by that is, is it a physical thing or is it a psychological thing? Yeah. Is it something like performance anxiety mm -hmm. or is there something deeper going on? Yeah, because we still, even though she doesn't move, we still see that, that like, a blur of sorts, even though she doesn't move. Yeah. And in fact, I think it was a good move. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I think it was a good move on her part not to do that, not to go super speed because there were too many other bottles around. And if she would have gone at that speed, all of them would have either shaken or fallen. And that's it. Jig would have been up. That's actually a good point. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, I think you're right. Just the, the, um, 
the vibrational force of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it was probably a blessing in disguise at that moment. Yeah. So the chronocops hear it, but then are like immediately called away. Somebody's the other one found the getaway car. So of course they take off just in time. So, so, uh, the Scooby-Doo gang is able to come out of their hideout with this lady in red to interrogate her. So here she discovers that, first of all, fantastic observation skills, that one little... (laughs) Of course, that one little glob that ended up on her shoe. I don't even know if it's a glob. Like, hardly a thing. It looked more like a sequence uh, kind of thing for me, to me. No, I'll tell you what it looked like. It looked like a little bit of uh, lime jello. Yeah, okay. That's what it looked like to me. Okay, it looked more like a, you know, those fake gems that you put on clothes? One of them. Rhinestones? Rhinestones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she picks that up and she manages to do her chemistry magic bit, which she's not a bird, she's a biochemist. Damn right. Yeah. They really leaned into the sexism this episode. Well, I mean, they did in the first episode too, and I think it's well done and absolutely necessary. Yeah, totally. And you know what I think it shows too is that the important thing is that that it shows is that, okay, so in episode one, we saw the kind of sexism that was more outright malicious toward Daisy that was a little more like aggressive and like, dude, there's no call for that, you know? But in this episode, Koenig doesn't mean it in an insulting way at all. It's institutionalized. Yeah, true. It was important to show both of those things. For him, it was just second nature. Exactly. Yeah, and it's just uh, uh, just his language. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and you know what I think. You know what I think is extra funny about that is that he is going to eventually have a granddaughter who is so powerful and so strong that all four of her brothers are terrified of her. <laughs> Oh, he'd be appalled to see his his four grandsons. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you'd be right about that. That, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He would kind of be cheering his granddaughter on, but he'd also be wanting to give his four grandsons a whack on the head. I can just imagine E.H. Koenig screaming at Sam and Billy, Hey, you two chuckleheads, put down <laughs> those dolls and watch the goddamn ball game. Yeah, and the other two Koenigs would say, they're not dolls, they're action figures. Grandpa! Or would he be called Bobo? That's a deep thing. I can't can't see Koenig wanting to be called Bobo. Honestly, I can't see any man wanting to be called Bobo, but... (laughs) Is that a term, like a real term for grandfathers? No! No! That's why I don't understand why they use that. It's ridiculous. I have never heard that in my life. It is cute, though. Rather not cute. It is sweet, though. (laughs) <laughs> not when it's a 25 year old man saying it i'm sorry i can't get on board that's true anyways mm. back to the chemistry Gemma realizes that this little green molecule is actually a key ingredient of what will be the super soldier serum yeah and i'm not sure if this distinction is important or not but a lot of people seem confused about this it is not the super soldier serum it's an ingredient to it I don't know how important that's going to be, but it, it might be. We don't know. In the show, we don't know how important it will be. But of course, in the larger, grander MCU scheme of things, it of course is very important. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think they're done with this storyline yet. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we will. It's got my mind. It, it's just got my brain racing. <laughs> yeah. So once they realize the entire significance of this whole situation they try desperately to to get in touch with mac and deke so mac and deke are basically escorting freddie to this delivery drop that he needs to do the important thing is they don't know he's freddie malik they they don't know what they're carrying this delivery is they don't even know about the serum they think it's a boot they think he's just a bootlegger making a big delivery of booze somewhere Yeah, and all they know is that they have to ensure that he stays alive. Right. I love love the part where um, Deke tries to take a a big sip of the whiskey and just (laughs) like chokes on it. And Mac looks at him and just goes, easy, Zima. Yeah. (laughs) I can get on board for that nickname. 
Let's we that needs to stick. <laughs> but you know, this is one. Uh, I found myself softening a little bit towards Deke in this episode because mm. I totally understand that uh, I can't drink at all, and I have no doubt that if I drank even a sip of whiskey, I would be dog sick the rest of the day. It it is pretty strong. I have had whiskey. Like I've had a proper drink of whiskey once and it gave me a headache. And I'm not talking hangover next day headache. I'm talking headache while I was drinking it. Yeah. And overall, I don't really care for the taste for it. So, yeah. Eh. Yeah. It's one of those things where I think a lot of dudes drink it because they think they're supposed to like it. Probably. Yeah. It's that it's that machismo kind of thing. Maybe. Yeah. So we spend a lot of time in the car. We spend a lot of time on the train yeah. With Freddie, with Freddie, Deacon, Mac, and not a lot happens. Uh, we're just kind of getting a little backstory on Freddie and that, you know, he just wants more for his life. And I think a lot of this is just to set up, it sets up two things. One, the ambiguity with Freddie of, is he really that bad of a guy? Is he just looking to make some money in a better life? And also to show that Deke is kind of bonding with him a little bit, like Deke is feeling like they have a lot in common and that there's a connection there and he understands where Freddie's coming from, having also lost his father when he was young. His parents. I think that for Deke, well, yeah, both parents, but uh, Freddie still has his mother, but she's basically disabled. But She's like catatonic, hasn't spoken in two years. Yeah, so in a way, he's lost both his parents, as has Deke. Yeah, so they're both being on their own, basically, at a young age. Yeah, pretty much. And both struggling in a very... Not exactly same situation, but similar situation. Lack of food, just this struggle to survive. Yes. So yeah, I can see Deke relating to Freddie. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so that's going to set up the showdown they're going to have later on, which we might as well get into because not much happens in between. Yeah, after a lot of back and forth, finally Freddie allows... Mac and Deke to see what exactly it is that he is sending, exactly what he is delivering. And that's where these guys see this green serum with the Hydra stamp on it. Finally, Daisy is able to get in touch with Deke and lets him know that, hey, by the way, it's Freddie Malik that you're transporting. Yeah, one thing about the, before we get to the serum and they see Hydra's logo, I have to say... They have not changed their logo in, what, 70-odd years? Seriously, maybe maybe they should rebrand, you know? Yeah. I mean, as a designer, I would not want my logo to be 70 years old. Yeah. I mean, update it, people. Seriously. Come on. If you're, if you're going to be evil, do it, right? Yeah, at least modernize it a little bit. And is it really necessary to put the Hydra logo on a small little test tube? We've been, we've been over this in previous episodes. It has to go on everything, Amy, from file folders to corks. That is what ev- <laughs> that is what evil underground organizations do. Yeah. It's all about the branding, baby. So update your fucking logo. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bugging you, isn't it? <laughs> Can you tell who does all our web design, guys? Who makes all our images? <laughs> and who designed our logo? This is true. So Daisy's finally able to hail Deke over the walkie-talkies and lets him know, hey, by the way, Freddie's last name is Malik. And you know what? I think you should shoot him in the fucking head right now. That was something that I thought a lot about. I was like, record scratch. What? (laughs) All I could picture in my head was Rhodey in Endgame suggesting going back to kill baby Thanos. What? It's Thanos. The thing that got me like, okay, throughout the episode, we do see that she is super pissed off about saving a Malik, which, you know, fair enough, I get that. But in season five, when Yo-Yo killed Ruby, when she was fucking going insane and she was dangerous, Daisy, along with the rest of the team, were super pissed off with Yo-Yo about killing her. And here, Daisy is telling Deke to kill someone who has yet to prove himself to be evil, even though we do know that he is evil. I am so glad you pointed that out because, yes, this is glaring hypocrisy on Daisy's part. Yeah. 
And it's it's Yo-Yo who brings it up earlier in the episode. Like, why does it have to be either alive or dead? Like, why can't we stick around and talk with him and work with him and change his heart? Yeah, she was being more moderate about it. Right. But, you know, Coulson makes the point, like, it's not our job to change anything. We just have to make sure this happens for the sake of the world. Agreed. And to play devil's advocate, even though I did point out that Daisy was being quite hypocritical, she does have a point about saving people's lives. But she's not uh, just... uh, It's the same theme with her. She just doesn't understand the big picture. I agree. She does have a point. I'm not saying it would have been the right thing to do. But again, see, then that's the thing. One life versus saving thousand lives. Not even thousand, maybe more than thousand lives. Well, see, that's why she's not a good leader, because she can't see the big picture. Like Colson points out, they don't know what that would cause. Yeah. And one thing they do know what will happen for sure is because the chronocops are trying to do that is to get rid of S.H.I.E.L.D. So if Freddy dies, we know 100 percent that S.H.I.E.L.D. would not exist. Yeah. But something else, as Colson points out, something worse could happen instead. No, I mean in S.H.I.E.L.D. as in a good way. Yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And something worse could have popped up. Agreed. But that's speculation. I'm not saying Coulson is wrong. Right. That's speculation, but they need to deal in fact. True. So yeah, I think Daisy was quite hypocritical over here. She kind of does have a point. I understand where she's coming from. Well, I also was thinking like, and, and Mac, of course, does the right thing and points this out. He's like, hey, I give the orders. I'm the director. Who the fuck does she think she is to make that call? True. But she doesn't tell Deke that she's giving him an order. She's telling him to shoot him. She doesn't tell him that this is an order. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. That's the thing. Deke says that it's an order. That's why Max said that I'm the one who gives the orders. Okay. No, this is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., not a few good men. It's understood that she is giving him a goddamn order when she tells him to take the shot. From the tone of her voice, it would not seem like that. That's what I'm saying. It's like she's giving him an order, yes, but she doesn't have any authority to do so. But she's not giving him an order. She's telling him something to do something. And let's be honest, there isn't much of a hierarchy with the exception to having a director. Yeah, who happens to be there with him and she hasn't given Mac the inform- the necessary information so that he can make the call. Yeah, because she knows that Mac will not make the call and kill Freddy. This is her being selfish. It's even more it's even more hypocritical with that. Yeah, it is. This is her just basically her version of taking the law into her own hands. Yeah, not cool, Daisy. Not cool. The law, the future, the space-time continuum. No. Yeah. I don't care how good you look in that green dress. And yes, she looks <laughs> fucking amazing. That is a yeah. fantastic color on her. But no, True. honey, that dress does not give you the right to make these decisions. And also, that's not fair to Deke to put him in that situation. He is the least experienced, least trained of all of them. And she put him in a terrible moral position. He's never killed anybody before. True. Let alone let alone somebody who, as far as we know, is currently innocent. Yeah, it it was an awful thing for her to do, period. Yes. So Deke tries to kill Freddy, but of course Mac intervenes and then uh, then the rest of the team joins in. Did you ever see the movie Public Enemies? I think you know the answer. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Public Enemies uh, was a movie that came out in 2009 starring Johnny Depp as John Dillinger. It was not a very good movie. It wasn't very well done. It had a lot of potential. There's lots of Tommy guns and wool coats and fedoras after seeing episode two here i think that movie should be redone starring the colson gang because they are fucking awesome (laughs) they are fucking awesome in any way anyhow i didn't know how badly i needed to see phil colson shooting a tommy gun out of the window of a 1930s like model t Yeah, that was fucking awesome. With Koenig in the backseat, just fucking spraying bullets everywhere, (laughs) screaming at the chrono cops. Yeah. (laughs) That was glorious. But yeah, we need to see more of Colson in the fedora and the long coats and with guns being badass. And then too, it was like, it kind of reminded me of like Bonnie and Clyde vibes too, because we had the two guys in the back and the two women up front. Yeah. Yeah. 
It was like Bonnie and Clyde meets uh, Thelma and Louise. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, that was that was a great scene overall. Yeah, Pat and Oswald, you could tell, was just having the time of his life. <laughs> I think he's really enjoyed these characters, the K-Migs that he's been playing. Absolutely. You can see it, the joy, the, the, just the, the glee while he's playing all of them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I have to say, and Clark Gregg has talked about it too, about how he's played so many different versions of Phil Coulson. This gangster Coulson is my favorite. <laughs> I fucking love him. I can't choose. I love Coulson. I was half expecting him like, when it was over to be like, yeah, see, tell it was a Coulson gang. <laughs> Another glitch, probably. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so these guys get into a shootout and they quickly realize that the chronocops have left halfway through because we know that there's a countdown to when the Zephyr will time travel again to the next destination. Yeah, and that was a surprise. I was like, oh, shit, that's a problem. Didn't know. Yeah. Didn't like. And here's what I'm wondering. Like, is the Zephyr technologically however configured to know when this uh tide is coming in to take them or was this a message from fitz or somebody else in another time period letting them know hey the tide's coming your way and here's when interesting i didn't think of that yeah Mm -hmm. god i wish we had bruce banner here to explain all this shit to us (laughs) <laughs> that would be helpful considering the number of questions we have i think his brain would explode too possibly yeah he'd probably need to be professor hulk to even yeah. comprehend any of these questions <gasps> that's true yeah yeah but you know what we wouldn't be able to afford to feed him did you see what he was eating did you see what he was eating at that diner that was like eight breakfasts yeah good point good point i think we would figure it out for ourselves So the team heads back to the Zephyr and that's when they're like, oh shit, Enoch's not here. So let's talk about what Enoch and May have been up to this whole time. Yeah. You are a bit confused about this whole May thing, aren't you? (sighs) A little bit. And I feel like it's the same thing they're doing with with the Freddy storyline of, is he bad? Is he not? Does he want power? Is it just money? Does he know what he's getting into? Where with May, I'm like, all right, she has her memories, but... She knows who she is. Yes, she knows her role on the team, but does she have mystical powers? Well, she didn't show any powers at all this episode. This episode, but she fucking Spider-Made last week. And they kind of did one in this episode where it's hard to tell if enough time had passed, but like... Enoch looks up at one point and she's there and like a second later looks back and she's gone. True. Yeah. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Is this some kind of supernatural shit? Some kind of paranormal shit or not? They're doing a they're doing a fantastic job of walking these lines, I have to say. Hmm. They are, yeah. And yeah, actually you're making a good point. It's it is supernatural. it seems very supernatural. Like horror movie-esque. Yeah, almost like her her soul is gone, if that makes sense. Yeah, that actually makes sense. Look, okay, now my mind is running. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was killed and sent through the portal to this, to this other dimension, where this dimension, people didn't have physical bodies. They were just souls. Right. What if... She came back, but her soul was left behind. Or what if when she died, the portal was still open and her soul went there? So she is here. Her memory is here. Her mind is here. But her soul isn't. Oh, I like that. That's I, I think that's the best theory I've come across thus far. Yeah, that could yeah. work. We need that to put work. this out there. Yeah, hmm. by all means, if anyone knows of any cash prizes going on for correct Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan theories, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, cash prize or no cash prize, it's an interesting theory, even if I say so myself. Yes. Yeah, I think that could work. 
Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense because she knows, you know, it, she's almost like robotic. Yeah, I mean, she literally said, she said to Enoch, I'm not feeling anything. Yeah, and she says, I need to be with the team. I need to protect them. That is my job. That right. is my role. Yeah, it's like she's just programmed. Yeah. So mentally she knows what she's supposed to do, but the emotion isn't there. And that was crystal clear when she sees Colson again for the first time. How's your heart, Amy? Did you have you been able to put it back together? Yeah, it's um it's fragile at the moment. There's a lot of duct tape involved. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah. Which again, interesting because the minute she sees him, she says, You're not Sarge, which fair enough. I mean pretty obvious uh-huh. but she also says you're not colson uh-huh how the hell did she know exactly and this is where i lean mystical fucking powers again because how would she know when he's an lmd yeah well for someone who is feeling their emotions would be completely overwhelmed at seeing someone they love mm-hmm but because she was not feeling all of that, is that the reason why she was able to immediately pick up on the fact that this is not Colson? I don't know. I, poor Enoch has seen better days. He's missing part of his face at this point. <laughs> but the fact that she can take him on is fantastic in itself. And again, another question. She's human. How is she being able to take on Enoch? Especially after he upgraded to the, like, what, hunter combat package? Yeah, the hunter combat package, yeah. <gasps> oh, I fucking love him. Um, yeah, he is fantastic. He needs his own show. I would love an Enoch spinoff. In fact, I think, so let's just say it now, that Enoch doesn't make it in time to the Zephyr and gets left behind in 1931. Yeah. He goes and starts bartending for Koenig. I think that is going to be his fucking dream job. <laughs> Seriously, what better job for an alien anthropologist than a job where he can just stand there all day listening to people tell him about their lives? Yeah. He'll love it. He would. He can do that as his day job and then at night build shield with E.H. Koenig. And while they drink, while they drink barraculadas. <laughs> I think this also will probably answer the question of the Koenigs. That's another question of what exactly are the Koenigs? We still don't, we still don't know. So yeah, so maybe this could be our final answer to what the fuck are the Koenigs? Because maybe Enoch built them some kind of gene something something machine or he made them all chronicoms no they're people they bleed we've seen that when who died one of them got reward killed one of them we saw them bleed and we know that because lt koenig the their sister talked about what they were like when they were little yeah Um, true true yeah okay so no chronicoms i think some kind of cloning deal is more yeah. likely because I can I think E.H. Koenig is exactly the kind of guy who would be like, yeah, you know what this world needs? More of me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this may be the the answer to how the Koenigs became the Koenigs. Yeah. You know, I put this out actually on Tumblr, but I would love to see a special episode on the adventures of Enoch and E.H. Koenig. Oh, my God. Yes. Kevin Feige, are you fucking listening? This is what Disney Plus needs. We need Enoch. What can we call this? Okay, so we've got WandaVision. Mm, that works, but Chrono Koenig doesn't really work. No, and he doesn't quite care for it anyways. We need to brainstorm this. You know what, yeah. people? Let us know. Tweet at us and tell us what would you call uh, Enoch and Koenig's TV show? Yeah. I need this in my life because <laughs> the Loki series is so far away. <laughs> Well, you need Loki and Enoch for very different reasons. No offense, Joel Stoffer, but yes, that is accurate. <laughs> That's all I will yeah. say. I love Enoch. 
Yeah. So I think those two, that's another. Are we going to see them again? Oh, we better fucking see them again. I don't know. But you know what? There was one thing that bugged me. Okay. So at the end, Koenig takes an actual bullet for them because Freddy, as they want him to, he gets away with the serum. He gets picked up by an unidentified person. No idea if that matters, who they might be, if it's important. Oh, it matters. It matters. I don't know. I just, that's the thing. I have no idea what matters and what doesn't. And they're doing such a great job of it. They're keeping us guessing. Props to these writers. Yeah. Although I think we may have figured out the whole May thing. (laughs) Watch us be 100% completely (laughs) wrong. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was so fucking proud of myself when I guessed that correctly that Tony was going to die and sacrifice himself at the end game and that Steve and Peggy would get their happy ending. That was a 50-50 shot and most people, a lot of people thought that was going to happen anyway. I was nonetheless fucking proud of myself because I never get shit like that right. So (laughs) we are going to throw a fucking party on this show if we are right about May. Yeah, totally. Virtual party, of course. Yes, a Zoom party. Hold us to it, people. Hold us to it. So yeah, Freddy shoots Kaning in the shoulder. And that was kind of telling us like, okay, maybe he's not as innocent as we thought he was because he just shot the guy who's helped him out a lot. Yeah, and we do see a certain hint of his bad side. I mean, he wasn't exactly making it easy for the team to help him out. I mean, he didn't do anything outrightly evil before that. Can you blame him, though? He's doing something completely illegal for the time. He doesn't want these strangers on his back. True. Yeah, true. I can't blame him for that at all. Yeah, I would say I saw it coming because of his desperation and general rage that he has about the situation that he is in his in his life. It, it's not surprising, not only because everybody was harping about how he's an evil guy, or rather he would be an evil guy. Yeah, it wasn't surprising. It wasn't totally unexpected. Yeah, the character made sense. Yeah, so... You know, Kenny takes the bullet, he's on the ground, he's sitting against the wall, and he just says, marvelous. (laughs) I'm like, okay, like, that's cute. Of course, they use that word on purpose. But then, later on, when he's sitting at the bar with Enoch, and they're making their deal, and they shake hands, and he says, I think this is going to be the beginning of a marvelous friendship. I'm like, you fucking ruined it. It would have been perfect, but why did you have to use Marvelous like fucking five minutes ago first? It like, for me, it totally ruined the effect that that sentence would have had. Hmm. Because the word was already in my mind. I'm like, oh, it it was like, I totally deflated with that. Okay. They really killed the moment. Yeah, it definitely stood out for me. No, that was just a... a Poor writing choice. Maybe, or maybe they were trying to be cheeky about it. I mean, all they all he had to do is just instead of saying marvelous when he got shot, just oh, great. Oh, so before we finish up here, because that is uh, how we see the episode end, there is one more marvelous friendship that we have to talk about that is just tearing my fucking heart out. <laughs> because Enoch is a national treasure. Couldn't agree more. The fact that when Enoch was like explaining who he was to May and identified himself as best friend of Leopold Fitz. I had to pause the episode. I was fucking dying. (laughs) Yeah, me too. It was hilarious. Yeah. My dogs just looked at me like, mom, mom, what's happening? I like (laughs) spooked them. I laughed so hard. (laughs) I could just picture him like late at night on the walkie talkie, just hoping best friend, it is I. Are you out there? (laughs) Copy? Is it you? Yeah, I feel bad for him. I do. I do. He's yeah. so he's so good. He's so pure. And he just does whatever they need and he doesn't complain. True. When I think of Enoch, even though he is not a human being, he is someone who epitomizes all the good that is in humanity. Yes. Yes, he does. And that's part of the reason, too. I think like he's going to be just fine. It's the team oh, yeah. that it's the team that's fucked without him. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, he he was a valuable asset in so many ways. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do without him. I guess we'll find out. Either that or Enoch will join them somewhere, somehow. I don't know. I fucking hope they find out because if Fitz doesn't show up soon, I am going to write somebody a letter. <laughs> I hope he doesn't show up at all. 
tell me, you since you have never expressed your feelings about Fitz before, please tell me how you really feel. <laughs> but, you know, Gemma, uh, not only Gemma, but um, so it was Gemma evading the question last week. This week, it was Enoch avoiding the question of how much time has passed. All he said was a considerable amount of time. Right. Now, I have seen some people on Twitter who think that enough time has passed that maybe Fitz is with their daughter. Yeah. And there's another theory going around that maybe Simmons is an LMD. Yeah. I mean, we certainly haven't seen any evidence to say she isn't. We haven't seen any evidence to to say that she is. Exactly. And there we go again, walking that line. They know damn well what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure in a couple of episodes we will get one episode dedicated to Fitz where we will be seeing what he is up to. Yes. And and before they converge and come together. Yeah. It is the same way they did it in, uh, was it season five? Six. Six. Right. Yes. And it's the same way they did it with Gemma in season three where she was gone for a few episodes and then we see her on Maveth struggling and, you know. Um, So, yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. I'm really hoping that if Fitz comes, comes back, which I'm sure he will, unfortunately. We also get to meet Piper again. I want to get Piper back. Yes, so do I. I think that would be a good compromise. You bring Piper along with Fitz, maybe I won't complain so much. All right, so that about wraps things up for episode two. And uh, the promo trailer is already out for episodes three. So at the end of this, uh, we know that the team is headed to, it looks like the late 40s, early 50s. Yeah. And they are heading to Area 51. Yeah, man. Ah. We're going to be doing some X-Files shit. Yeah. And Koenig's Theory of Martians may just come true. Oh my God, you're absolutely right. That was great. Yes. (laughs) Yes, those are the Martians. Oh, I have to say, I loved his reaction when he saw the Zephyr. (laughs) I thought he was going to have a stroke. That was great. Yeah. What is these metal things? Robots? <laughs> yeah, and we're also going to meet up with a guy who I'm looking forward to meeting since I haven't watched Agent Carter yet. Uh, we're going to meet Peggy's uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. partner, Agent Daniel Souza. There's a bit of an uproar going on about it because in... Should I spoil it for you? Yeah, why not? Okay. So in Agent Carter, the show, Agent Souza and Peggy were in a relationship and... Now that Cap has gone back in time and we see that Cap is with Peggy, that thing kind of went out of the window. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what's going on. I get it. Okay, yeah, I could understand people being perturbed. Hmm. And they were a good couple together. <laughs> I'm sorry, Agent Susan. You, you could be a saint. You could be walking on water. That one belongs with Steve Rogers. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Well, yeah, I mean, cap above everyone else. True. And we do see her mourning in the show. Oh, okay. But anyways, we will go deep into that when we do actually get into Agent Carter. Yes. All right. So that's where we leave off. Amy, you ready to read some tweets? Yep. So last week on social media, we asked everybody, considering we really don't know what's going on with May yet, we asked if Agent May were to go through terogenesis and have an inhuman power, what do you think that power might be? So from Instagram, AOS cat who loves Ming-Na Wen said, bring people back to life or reading their mind. And Glitter Kitty 48 also agreed, seeing the future or reading minds. That's a, I like that because I think, first of all, May is like already a human lie detector. So I think that would be appropriate. Why would you say that? Because she's so well-trained as a spy. Like, part of their job is to know when people are lying. Yeah. And as far as bringing people back to life, well, that would be pretty damn convenient considering how many times her friends and loved ones have died. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she'd probably be on speed dial for Colson itself. Oh, I'm dying. (laughs) Again. You know, I realized something the other day. I was talking about this with somebody on Twitter The only other character who has come back from, quote, death as many times as Phil Coulson is the guy who killed him in the first place. (laughs) And we come back to Loki again. Hey, you know what? It's my fucking birthday today. I can say what I want. It's my birthday! It's my birthday! 
I'm allowed to bring up Loki as much as I want in this episode because that's right, it is my fucking birthday and all I want for said birthday is for the Loki series to come out. And the way things are going, that might happen, not happen till I'm fucking 40. So there. I have a question. When have you ever stopped yourself from ever talking about Loki? Okay, you know what? Anyway, we also asked the same question <laughs> uh, in regard to fits. Yeah. And to quote little Gemma uh, from the framework, since Amy is a butt face, I'll read this one. Thank you. At Eowyn Blythe said, I don't know. It's hard, but I think maybe the ability to open a portal to go wherever he wants to find Gemma or telepathy. But I think portal is very useful for him and the team. I agree. I agree too. Yeah. Yeah. Considering how often these people encounter monoliths. Yeah. I think that would, I think that would work. Yeah. And also with the whole getting separated from Gemma every five seconds. Yeah. You know, most people go their whole lives without encountering a monolith. (laughs) Generations of people go through not encountering monoliths. All right. So we also asked the same question about Agent Antoine Triplett because I had this idea that, ooh, maybe we'll get to see BJ Britt play his own grandfather. Well, that came to nothing. So that's one theory that's... uh, You never know. Well, maybe you're right. We'll see. Because, like, they're going to the 50s now, probably, and the Howling Commandos didn't exist till Captain America. Yeah, but it could have been, like, a younger version of him, maybe still enlisted, something like that. It can still happen. Never say never. At France and Mutt says, I think it would have been cool if he had ended up with storm sequel powers, controlling the weather. Yeah, and that made me think about the whole, like, Donnie Gill storyline way back when. Right. Yeah. And at Caramel Bars said something like mind control using key phrases or words would be fun for him, considering he's such a smooth talker. (laughs) He thinks he's a smooth talker. Yes. And the last one we have here was just in general at Chasing Sky Stars said, just looking at these opening credits sends me into an emotional roller coaster. I feel you. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to the next new opening credit. Yeah. And you know... Before we started recording, I was just kind of so-so about this episode, but now that we've gone over it and I've heard your theories too and your observations, I'm like, oh, fuck, is it Wednesday yet? <laughs> That's what I would do. Like, if they gave me this effort right now, I would just move ahead to each Wednesday and just completely waste my time machine capabilities just to get to the next episode because there's so many questions and they're walking this tightrope with these different characters so well. I agree. Yeah, completely. But although I don't think you'd be going to every Wednesday to get the next episode, you'd be jumping straight ahead to when Loki, the Loki series comes out. You got me there. Mm. Yeah. I know you. I know you, Madam Chris. (laughs) Straight from there then to (laughs) Doctor Strange too. Okay. Um, Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for that one either. I can't wait for Thor. I can't wait to see Natalie Portman. You know how I feel about Jane Foster. No, thank you. I'm going to watch it, of course. Hmm. You're kind of contractually obligated to now. I I am. Just take my fucking money, Foggy. Just take it. What do you want from me? (laughs) What more do you want? I'm literally giving you my life. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I I can't wait to see Valkyrie again, my darling. Yes. Yes. For your sake. Yes. I am looking forward to that coming out. So I also want to thank everybody who has been amazing on social media, engaging with us. And it's been really nice getting to know people and just seeing this amazing community of fans that has built around Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for the last seven years. It's awesome. Yeah, and just the energy, the excitement, the the love for the show, it's it's contagious. Yeah, so we want to keep hearing from you guys. Um we want to continue getting to know you guys. And so let us know this week what do you think is affecting Yo-Yo's powers? Is this a side effect of the strike or is it something else? Yeah, is it something just like performance anxiety? Is it biological? Is Yo-Yo inhuman no more? Ooh, interesting. Mm, Yeah. Questions upon questions. Yeah, so shoot us an email, themarvelousmadams at gmail.com, 
or let us know on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we're at Marvel Matters. Thank you, everyone, for joining and listening to us just discussing and guessing and bringing up all sorts of theories. I'm Madam Amy. And I'm Madam Chris. So assemble with us next week for episode three of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. titled Alien Commies from the Future. (laughs) This is going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. Area 51 and Daniel Souza. Oh, the possibilities. Please rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at themarvelousmadams.com where Infinity Stones are a girl's best friend. See you next week. So is that like, I don't even know what this phrase means. I don't know. It's, I guess, because the martinis, there's olives and martinis. Onions, darling. Uh, Onions, right. (laughs) (laughs)